0: so, okay, so you were born in the U.S., in yes. L.A. Yes, And then, so you lived here for a bit, so it was your parents' job or?
1: Yeah, so my dad um, was actually the first of his entire family of like eight or nine siblings to leave the country. None, no one had ever done that. So he ended up leaving the country and doing his master's in New Jersey and uh, stayed on uh, to work. Eventually, got, came back to India, got married, brought my mom over to the U.S., Shuffled around the East Coast, West Coast quite a bit. He was in construction oh. and um, eventually had me here in LA in 91. Then we moved to the Bay Area and had my brother. And then we moved back to India when, in 96. So I was like five years old when we moved back to moved straight yeah. to Bangalore.
0: And that was for his job to yeah, go back yeah. to Bangalore?
1: He, he found a lot more business opportunities in India. Oh, interesting. And uh, he's kind of like, you know, I guess he was done with construction. He's kind of like he has been a serial entrepreneur his entire life, and you know he's someone that I've always strived to, you yeah. know, get to his level. But uh, yeah, so he essentially made the made the call to move us to India and then, you know, get us in schools there and essentially but grow. What is he up.
0: working on now?
1: Right now he's in real estate, um, but he's like I said, he's pretty much started businesses in ten different industries and killed it at all of oh, them. Wow. He's like the most like street smart and intelligent guy i I've known. So,
0: wow, a great mentor, Dad. Yeah, yeah. for, I mean, anything. for
1: sure, for sure. I love you. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm so used to it though. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
0: How do you describe yourself back then, growing up in Bangalore?
1: Um. Well, I think like I went through like two distinct sort of phases when I was growing up. The first phase was like pre-middle school. I was very shy like quiet um kind of like reserved kid that was just you know focused on like schoolwork and you know just doing well in school and coming back home playing some cricket outside and going back home i mean that's kind of what Mm -hmm. life was restricted to up until middle school so that's all i pretty much knew i mean you know like curfews and stuff with like indian or you know asian parents so but then when i once i got to high school and Basically, once I got to high school and discovered girls and music (laughs) and punk rock and metal and partying, then there were just too many distractions for my brain to, like, handle. (laughs) And I just never went back to being the same kid. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, they fired off, like, certain, like, sensory receptors in my brain that were, were, like, deactivated for a long time. (laughs) And then suddenly school just went down in importance. (laughs) (laughs) What did
0: your, like, parents think? Were they pushing academically, like, really, really hard? Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, see, back then, like... I never really did music seriously. I played guitar a bit in in school. We had a, we had a like a small school band that performed at a few you know, competitions and stuff. We did decent. There was no original music coming out, but I mean, I didn't really have the sort of the drive towards music to even dispute my parents from saying mm. from them saying, go do engineering or go become a doctor. So my dad my dad left it open. But then at the end of the day, I mean, if I'm not passionate enough towards at that time if I wasn't passionate enough passionate enough to say this is what I wanted to do then he's gonna say okay do engineering <laughs> so, so how did you
0: even get into punk rock like is that really common in India
1: well not really not not very common I mean my friend circle um, sort of was uh the, the 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 guy the people that pushed me into it and exposed uh, it got me exposure the first time um And again, I mean, the internet was there, so I, you know, LimeWire, Kazaa, all those softwares that were just about coming out at that time, um, got me, you know, straight up exposure to it. And that's kind of how I got into it.
0: Um, Were you going to like a private or like a public school?
1: Private school. So in India... So you don't have like
0: international kids and everyone?
1: No, no international kids. So in in, in India, you have have public schools, which is the government schools, which are really like quite bad. Then you have private schools. Which are like the only sort of decent schools that say like you know middle class uh, kid would go to, mm-hmm. and then you have the international schools which, which are which aren't the Indian curriculum. They have the IBs oh, yeah, and the A levels. So I was in I was in private school. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then what kind of music was played in the house when you were growing up?
1: So in my house, there actually wasn't a lot of music being played. My dad kind of was the kind of guy that like, if you're on a road trip with family he'd want, like, silence in the car. <laughs> so he would not want the radio on. That's the last thing he would want on. And so I didn't really, like, have much music playing in my house while growing up. All the exposure came from, you know, the internet and, and, you know, some some friends of mine that were into it at, at that time. And But generally speaking, my dad was... He played a little bit of, like, tabla growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, tabla is, like, an Indian percussive instrument. So he was, you know... A, uh, let's say uh, like a casual listener of music not someone who is constantly playing it at all times oh. you know? yeah yeah so
0: and then how did you decide to go to school in Atlanta
1: well I knew I wanted to leave Bangalore and, and venture out Atlanta to be honest I mean simple answer is that it's the, the best school I got into was Georgia Tech in Atlanta oh, okay. and that's how it just happened I mean I got into maybe like three or four schools it was Georgia Tech there was UIUC. There was, um, I think, some one of the UCs also UC oh. Davis or some of them. Mm. One of them, um, and even uh, Claremont McKenna, which is also in LA, actually.
0: Oh. Uh, but
1: yeah, I ended up choosing Georgia Tech because it was like the the highest ranked school. And
0: yeah. For wait for what major? For
1: engineering. For
0: engineering. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So did you actually really like engineering back then?
1: No, it was just like well, I mean it, I didn't it, have it was easy like. Was for you? Like the. Well, I I mean I I was. I didn't have like a interest towards it, but then it it kind of left the most options open, Mm. right? Like with engineering, you could do a bunch of different things. So I was trying to just keep options open at that point, you know, instead of like pigeonholing myself and saying, okay, let's go do law or let's go be a doctor or let's do medicine, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of what... So you didn't
0: specialize in a type of engineering?
1: I did. So initially I was uh, undecided, but then I, I finally graduated in industrial engineering.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But then you got more and more into, well, like, electronic music in college. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, being in college in Atlanta, like, the college aspect of my experience, like, I, to be honest, I hated, but everything else, aside from the college stuff, was stuff that I really, really got into. Like, I started going to a lot of shows, and... Honestly, got exposed to things that, like music that I would that I never experienced before in in Bangalore. So, if I was to backtrack a bit, like Bangalore, the Bangalore music scene at that point was like one international artist touring every like three years, okay, yeah. coming to Bangalore every three years, and four out of five times that'll be Brian Adams coming back. He keeps coming back. <laughs> I guess he doesn't get enough shows over here, so he keeps coming back to India and Pakistan to play shows. Oh my God. No offense to Brian Adams, but I mean. There was no, like, diversity. Yeah. You know, there was no diversity. There was no electronic music. There was... At that point, I hated le- I hated electronic music. Because I, th- I thought that the only electronic music uh, was, like, Big Room House. Oh, you know? yeah. And that... You know, I'm coming from, like, a rock and metal background. That's something that didn't, like, vibe with me at all. Yeah. Basically got thrown into this world of, you know, shows and... And like music every weekend, and you get to go and you know like uh, visit different venues and see not only one style of music but like ten different styles of music. So in the first like five or six months, while I was in college, my freshman year, I spent that time going to every single metal show I could go to because oh <laughs> I was like, imagine. I mean, I was a metalhead for like yeah. two years. It was just built up for so long that I just said, that's it. This is all I'm doing on weekends. Yeah. You know. And then. Six months into college, maybe or four months, four to six months into college, uh, my friend, he, we're playing poker, and he play and he just puts on a song, and uh, I'm just like, dude, what the fuck is this? What's the song? And he's like, dude, it's a uh, uh. hot like sauce by Pretty Lights, <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Like, how does this even made? Like, what is going on here? Because it was just like, it was electronic. But I didn't understand how it was kind of organic at the same time. Yeah. You know? Um, But I never heard, like, that sort of fusion of different elements before. Um, And that's kind of got me on the path to exploring more and more into what electronic music... And this was just in 2009. Oh. Yeah, 2009. Probably, like, September or October. (laughs) so specific. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then you just decided to download a producer software. No, no, no.
1: That came way, way, way later. Yeah, yeah. So I... I partied for a long time yeah. before I got into anything serious. Right? <laughs> I partied from 2009, went to a lot of shows up until like, I mean, I graduated, so, but I eventually started like DJ, like, pick, I first bought I bought my first like DJ uh, equipment in 2012.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what was the next
1: step? So after that, I, I got that, I DJed a bit here and there in college and, uh, but I didn't know how to produce. So I, I knew the next step was to get into production but I didn't know how and I tried doing it myself but I wasn't it wasn't working out um so I ended up going to this school called dub spot in New York City mm-hmm. so my last summer in college I somehow convinced my dad to allow me to go to the school and oh study gosh. music production did for three Did he pay months. for it? He did he did. Oh my gosh yeah, that's yeah.
0: literally the most supportive Asian parents. Exactly honestly.
1: exactly so that's what I'm saying I, I literally hit the jackpot with my parents because you can go either way you know like if yeah. you're a, if you're a indian or an asian kid and you say dad i want to be a dj i mean you can go pretty bad yeah. i mean or it can just go like <laughs> okay but rarely do you get the parents that are you know go out of, out of their way to support yeah you know, so my so dad rare, said that I, I was i mean i was ready to to you know do a small course in atlanta um but my dad said no you should find the right place to go to oh wow. and, and at that point Dubspot was killing it yeah you know, they were killing it and Especially with online tutorials and everything. It was just, you know, I mean, half of the stuff I learned was just off of Dubswat tutorials. So going there and actually learning for three months was, well, that was life-changing. Those three months I spent in New York City, it was pretty much like I was high every day, but I did no drugs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's a lie. But I mean, I did, I, 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 I was, I was I, you get my point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you graduated and then what happened?
1: Um... So then I graduated and then I had to make the choice between staying in the U.S. and pursuing music or coming back to India and and pursuing music. So first...
0: Oh, so engineering was completely like off the table. No, no, no. no. So what
1: I had to do was I had to... After I graduated, I actually went and got my... I, I interviewed for jobs yeah, and I got a job just to show my dad that I could do it. But then over that sort of three-month period of, you know, between the last semester, between the last semester starting and graduation, I was kind of like planting the seed a little bit in his head yeah. that I wanted to come back and I wanted to pursue music. And I, you know, it took a while to convince him, but, you know, I finally was able to convince him. He actually wanted me to get into more of the, the business side of things, yeah. Yeah, even if it was music. Um... So actually he had to like write up a full like business plan. I kind of like, I wrote up a whole business plan for an event company that I want, that I, I told him I'd start when I come to India. And uh, he got convinced after reading that business plan that, okay, maybe this guy is actually a little like, kind of passionate about it. Yeah. <laughs> so he finally allowed me to come back and yeah, that's kind of where, that's how I convinced him, but it took a while. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then came back, as in came back to Atlanta to live there, or? No,
1: I, I went, came back to India, to Bangalore. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then what happened?
1: So over there, I, I basically had to find a job first. Because yeah. I, I, I was not anywhere in the scene, I had no connections, I had no idea what the Bangalore scene was going to be like uh, when I got back. Because I'd been away for so long, yeah. I'd been away for like five years. Um, but I knew kind of what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was sort of fill this gap in the Indian electronic music space. Because at that time, the electronic music space in India only had four on the floor music, you know. So there was only deep house, techno in the underground space and side trans. And on the other hand, you had like the commercial top 40, oh, like yeah. EDM, like uh, big room stuff. Yeah. But there was no one doing like like bass music on a visible scale at that point there mm-hmm. were a handful of producers maybe do, doing it um, some people in Delhi and ba- mm-hmm. in Bombay were, were killing it but in Bangalore city of like 8 million people
0: mm-hmm.
1: there was no one doing it
0: how how big was EDM like at that time EDM back then
1: uh, in India it was very small very yeah. very small like they, were, they had while I was in, in the US there they they had been a few artists that toured there was like Avicii came Armin, Armin came um and uh, you, you had the festivals, like the, the, the big festivals that are called Sunburn and Supersonic. Um, so they had set up a sort of platform for artists, but it was nowhere near where it is today. Oh, or yeah. even like nowhere near where it, it was uh, in the US at that time, mm-hmm. you know. But the, the gap that was there was this, like, this complete like, lack of bass music and trap and dubstep because trap was so new like trap was even new over here yeah. right? it only started in what 2011 ish when trap really entered into the electronic world mm-hmm. right so i wanted to go there and, and start off the first sort of trap dubstep electro hip-hop like weekly event in bangalore mm-hmm. and that's what i went and did
0: yeah and when i went
1: and did that for like four months i ran that at this club every thursday night had to like convince the owner um somehow, because no one even knew what the fuck trap yeah. was. Like, I had to convince them what it was first. You know? And and then he somehow gave me a Thursday night and I begged for, like, a like a drinks deal yeah. uh, so that I could, like, promote it with my friends. So I f- went around flyering. He gave me, like, a deal where all the ladies come in and they get, like, free wine. You know? So I, like, promoted <laughs> that. <laughs> got I got as many women as there as possible. Oh the women obviously bring the men. So... It went really well so for like four, <laughs> four, four, four months. I mean, I went from, from no one knowing me at all to like, yeah. at least there was some buzz in the city. Like there's this dude who's doing something different. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's how I started getting my name out in, uh, in Bangalore. The first, uh, in, in fact, Bangalore and then later, the different states in India, like yeah. all over the country.
0: And then did you start releasing originals or? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I mean, it sounds like it's very simple and easy, but I came back May 2014. That's when I moved back yeah. to Bangalore, right? And Jan 2015, I was opening for Steve Aoki, like in Bangalore. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, my god. <laughs> so gosh. it was just like,
1: it was a very fast sort of like, uh, upward movement in terms of the shows, you know? The shows, because what I was doing back then, hardly any people were doing. Yeah. And... Uh, and I was able to sort of like cut through a little bit easier than the rest of the, the rest of the DJs in the city. Um
0: was there like was there a lot of other DJs?
1: Well, yeah. I mean it, it has always been like quite competitive, the the Indian EDM market.
0: For like as a hobby <laughs> or like as a full-time job?
1: No, as a full-time job. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah it's a, I mean now. I don't even know if Hong Kong has like
0: full-time huh? people who can afford to do it full-time and yeah, pay rent yeah, I mean, and everything.
1: It's, because now that's the thing, like <laughs> DJing is a fad, right? It's like what being a guitarist uh, or a you know like a rock star guitarist was you know 10-15 years ago mm-hmm. Right? everyone wanted to play lead guitar on stage and rip a solo now it's a little different now everyone yeah. know, wants to DJ so it's, it's, it's the fad is sort of like inflated the bubble a little bit you yeah. know of the number of DJs the the influx of the number of DJs you know mm-hmm. so
0: so you kind of from the onset, were already earning money from it. Like, were
1: you? No, no, no. I, the four the four months of DJing that I did was uh, completely for free. Oh. And I was working at the same time. So I was working a full time job, and also doing this on Thursday nights and promoting right. it and like curating the night and basically like from ground up um, conceptualizing the whole thing.
0: Right. Yeah. But So sorry. The job was the uh, event or a separate? No, job? no, no.
1: The job was a separate job. So I was okay. working at this like uh online radio company um that provided radio like music to uh stores so mm-hmm. like say you you go you walk into a nike or you walk into a reebok um or adidas or any any store for that matter you hear music right yeah so these guys like curated the music and streamed it to the stores essentially
0: right yeah
1: so i was working i was working over there um for the first like four months
0: and what co- like what did you do for them
1: Um, essentially just interface with the client and, you know, got them what kind of music they wanted. Some of them wanted Bollywood music. Some of them wanted, you know, like more niche electronic music. Some of them wanted, you know, like, uh, like classic rock. So I just have to sort of like pick and choose and, and do, it was just like a monkey could do the job. I mean, literally, (laughs) I mean, like I'm I'm making it sound like it's something amazing. It's not, it just, it was quite stupid to be honest. (laughs) I hated it. It it took time away from, from me making music and me preparing for shows and me doing what I really want to do. But I had to do that because, you know, at that point, I was not busy enough to warrant doing music full-time, you know? you got to be busy enough, I feel, right? So I had to do that at that time. But after four months, I decided it was, you know, kind of cutting into too much of my time and things had slowly picked up. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, let's just close this chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: then just, and then what was the next step?
1: Next step was like making music non-stop releasing music and around that time i also released um this track of mine called boom shankar which has done exceptionally well
0: oh yeah on youtube yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: that that track sort of like gave me the platform to get more shows and more and, and big and play on bigger stages and i mean that that's a tra- that track's probably been my sort of stepping stone into like a into a more serious um place in the industry yeah. Out there, right. and how do
0: you call it like Desi Trap or
1: yeah so so Desi is Desi. like Indian yeah Trap is Trap yeah. so yeah Desi Trap but
0: you kind so, of knew from the onset that you wanted to make that job no or? not
1: really actually I mean me moving back to India I obviously had an impact on on the kind of music that I was going to make um, and I, I to be honest I don't only make that I make a lot of other stuff Like mm-hmm. like like I said I'm very influenced by the Electro hip hop soul movement that's going on over here with, like, you know, Pretty Lights, Dramatic, Grizz, yeah. Big, Gigantic, like, all those guys are, like, you know, big inspirations. So I do, I do some of that stuff. I do this Desi Trap stuff uh, and down tempo stuff. Like, there's just, you know, I'm kind of like spread out into almost all forms of, like, broken beat electronic music right now. Um, mm-hmm. But Desi Trap is working out there because Desi has the Indian influence, yeah. and the people want the Indian influence, right? I mean, everyone's a Bollywood fanatic in India. Everyone wants something Indian, and this came, this allowed allowed me to like sort of tap into that or the 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 mass, as you'd say, of the mainstream audience, but give them something fresh, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: So now you're still living back there, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still
1: living back there. This is actually the first time I'm coming back in. Three years. Um oh, wow. I came back once to drop my brother off to college and uh, yeah this was in that was in two thousand fifteen. Now I'm back after three years and I'm doing like a string of shows. So tomorrow I'm headed to Purdue to play yeah. Purdue University, yeah.
0: Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah. How do you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger?
1: Mmm when I was younger when I was younger, like, like as a de- years. Oh, teenage oh teenagers, okay. I guess like the main thing I feel is I feel like I'm more confident now about like just being independent and and not having to sort of like uh, hesitate when asked about what you want to do in life oh, you know
0: yeah.
1: and, uh, not, and not and, and basically like the, the main thing I, I think for me is just confidence like mm-hmm. it's I was not a very confident confident person before when I was kind of like wavering in my direction Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, but now things are very clear in my head as to like where I need to be. And I feel like that allows for you to be more confident as a person in general, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you're talking to people, um, you know, when you're like even working, you know, there's like a, there's like, there's like a grip that you feel that I, that I feel like I have on what I'm doing now, you know?
0: And what was the turning point that your parents finally are supportive
1: no, so they've always been supportive. Like the, they started off this... A,
0: to be a full-time job, you know what I mean, Asian parents.
1: So they were passively supportive in the beginning. Exactly. They're like, all right, let him do his thing. Maybe he'll, like, fizzle out and, you know, yeah. then he won't have to... Then, then, he, then he can't say anything, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> when it's a full-time job, it's a different story. I know it.
1: Right? I mean, it was... I don't think there was one, like, clear point. I think, like... See, for, for Indian parents... they have to see see something tangible right so Mm -hmm. it's about it's not about me coming back to my uh, coming back home and talking to my parents saying oh my god this show is amazing this is exactly what I want to do you know I made this sick track and you listen to it for them it's about me going them and showing them a newspaper article yeah right then they see. Okay, maybe or it's how legitimate. Much money you yeah, or how much money you make, <laughs> or like, oh, he has eight million plays. Oh, okay, maybe something is good. Yeah. You know, like maybe something good is happening. So it's, uh, it's all about the tangible things. Over a couple of years, finally showed them that okay, you know, this is here to stay. Yeah. In a way, you know, <laughs> there's nothing that anyone can do about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Was your most challenging moment so far? Could be in personal life too.
1: Hmm. I mean I think it goes back to what you were talking What we were talking about it's like I had a lot of self-doubt mm. getting into getting into this because I'm not a musician like I, I mean I played guitar but I, I wasn't very good at it um, I didn't really have musical I didn't have musical upbringing right and I started off really late I mean I, I started producing 2013 which is only like 5 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, I just didn't know whether I had the skill set to make good music you know and that period of, of you know the first three or four years was extremely th- challenging because there's just so much self-doubt on top of the fact that you have to succeed but if you doubt your own skill set you know then it's like how do you even think about succeeding you yeah. know if you don't even know if you can do it so those I think that period was probably the most challenging I mean it's something I still deal with every day like self-doubt doesn't go away obviously but it's definitely, like, decreased, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably, yeah. the, probably what mm-hmm. it is, you know? What
0: does love mean to you?
1: What does love mean to me? Yeah. Oof. That's, that's it's heavy. a hard question now. That's heavy. Um, see, I think external love is very subjective. Like, when you love someone or you love, like, a certain thing, I think that's... Or you love a place. I think that's very subjective, but I think, in for me, like love that comes from within, is kind of what I feel allows you to be sort of this. Uh, uh, what's the word for it? Um, kind of disaffected mm-hmm. from everyone around you. You know what I'm saying? I don't mm. know if that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe it's too woke. But <laughs> <laughs> just like, explain a like bit if more. If you if you if you understand like who you are as a person, and if you understand what makes you happy, and if you love yourself, then what you do, and 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 so you can just ex- exist by yourself without anyone else's support mm-hmm. or anyone else's approval.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And I feel like that's what I found when I started making music and DJing. Like suddenly I didn't feel the need to. You know, I have to uh, be with friends to distract myself or like, mm. you know, go to parties or do any of the stuff that, you know, generally seems like a waste of time. Everything seems, almost seems like a waste of time after that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think like in the, the love that comes from within is more important than the love that's external.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you mean. Right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: Hmm. So I think, to answer that, I think, like, the... I have to kind of, again, I have to look within and see what, like, music did for me Mm. uh, to really understand how to duplicate that for other people. And for me, I mean, music, like, created these, like, sort of, like, intangible moments that you can't really explain or translate into words. Um, And in those moments, you kind of feel like, you know, the the real world kind of, like, fades away. Like, especially, imagine seeing your... your favorite artist play your favorite song at your favorite festival you know that that yeah. moment right it's just so strong it's so like uh hard to describe where like you know you just suddenly feel like everything your, your pain and all the worries you had in life are sort of just fading away mm-hmm. and um i think just recreating those moments for other people
0: yeah yeah
1: like those tangible moments those memories those experiences that don't have an expiration date
0: yeah i love that yeah yeah this is awesome thank yeah. you so much <laughs> thank you
1: thank you Bye.